eat the Shows up every kind invite the crowd. Shows that make us grip our seats with excitement. A sample of the marvelous tricks you'll see for the price of a small bin Internet Freak Show. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, John Titer is an early and very famous internet troll, or maybe he's a time traveler. Welcome to Internet Freak Show, and my name is Tim Wasson. A user joined a paranormal chat room on October 14th of the year 2000, and he went by the name Time Travel Zero. At the time, he claimed that he had been drinking wine, and he spoke rather nonchalantly about being a time traveler. The others in the chat room also had odd stories, being a paranormal chat room, uh, claiming to have been reincarnated over 50 times, for example. And so the people in the chat room did not really challenge his story too much. Time Travel Zero was quite candid about his story, actually, and about the future, too. He claimed to be a time traveler from Florida, and in fact went so far as to say he was staying with his parents and the two-year-old version of himself while he was chatting. And that would make John Titer born in 1998. And as he claimed he was from the year 2036, that would make him 38 years old at the time of this IRC chat. He claimed to have been here about three months and said he was visiting our time to collect an IBM 5110 that his grandfather had worked on. And someone asked him, why did you need that old computer? He answered back that it was a computer capable of reading Unix code and that Unix had stopped working in the year 2036. Now, oddly enough, both of those pieces of trivia do have some truth to them. Unix does indeed have a problem referred to as the 2038 problem which is maybe a little too technical to get into on this podcast. And the computer that he mentioned was unique in that it can emulate and debug mainframe code, as well as translate between several different programming languages. While he did touch on this briefly in the original chat, it's interesting to me that he spent nearly no time on them. In the years that followed, it turns out that he was correct about the capabilities of the 5100, although those facts were not commonly known or promoted at the time. And it's also worth noting that he called the computer a 5110 in the chat, but however, in the uh, internet post that followed, he called it a 5100. And 5100 is indeed the, the correct version of that computer that he's referring to. As far as I can tell, there is no 5110. Um, however, he did claim that he was drinking orange wine in the internet chat, so maybe we can explain away that um, little inconsistency with some wine. Uh, he also claimed that he was just making a quick stop in the year 2000, and that he was actually on his way home after stopping in the year 1975 to pick up the aforementioned computer. And he started presenting pictures of this time machine really early on. In fact, in this original chat, he'd already scanned and uploaded photos to show off to just about anybody who asked him. People started jumping in nearly immediately, taking issue with the fact that John was visiting his own parents and interacting with a younger version of himself. Wouldn't this throw off the space-time continuum and make things blow up or make people disappear like what we see in movies? And according to John, no. These issues are minor, and they simply introduce a new timeline in the future. And things may change on that new timeline, but the changes will be really minor. He mentioned, you know, football players winning different games, and they did, things like that. Um, this is his version of time travel that, that he talks about through the rest of his stay on the internet. He claimed to be a soldier in his time, and that his stop in the year 2000 wasn't strictly by the books. However, he'd returned to his own time just a few seconds after he left, so his superiors would really be none the wiser. He'd have aged an additional few months, but he thought no one would notice that. So he dove into a bit of the technical workings of time travel. He compared his knowledge to knowing how to change the oil in a car. Basically, if you operate the machine, you should know how that machine works, right? So this is a little bit of explanation, and this is him talking. I'm quoting him. 
He says, detecting gravity is the hard part. I will tell you a little story. When time travel was invented, they built prototypes that would go back in time for a split second and then return. They had sensors and cameras on them, and they never returned. It was later discovered that the machines ended up 15 miles away and 3,000 feet in the air, because the Earth was rotating away from them. A system had to be invented to hold the machine to the Earth. It's called VGL. It's based on very sensitive clocks and gravity sensors. It stops the time distortion machine if radical changes in gravity are detected. You wouldn't want to end up inside of a mountain or underwater, would you? He cited older physicists that had developed some theories on time travel, talked about discoveries at CERN that were applicable to the conversation. He spoke of singularities and black holes. Whoever this time travel zero was did not really come into this conversation to learn about others. From the beginning, he stood on his soapbox. He was prepared with scientific and technical backgrounds. No question that anybody asked stumped him. And in a way, this made the chat more convincing. But in another way, it seemed a little overprepared, a little rehearsed. From early on in the chat, he had really fantastic stories about the future, too. Uh, a civil war that broke out, and nu- nuclear bombs dropping, the nation getting divided. He claimed that Russia helped, quote, his side win the civil war. Um, he even encouraged users in the IRC to invest in hydrogen fuel cells. He then departs from his normal te- technical rhetoric and almost gets very philosophical. Uh, this is him talking again. He said, I harbor a certain amount of anger towards this time. I see an entire population of people who are sleeping. I fell in love once and she passed away, and I blame you for her death. She died of brain cancer. You may find this interesting. When I was training for time travel, a great deal of what we did was psychological training. In one of our exercises, we had to go back in time and convince ourselves to do something we regretted not doing in our own life. I told myself to get married before she died, something that I was unable to do, and I hate you all for that. Not long after the admission that his girlfriend dies of radiation from a nuclear bomb, um, he left the IRC. And as far as I could tell, he did not reemerge for a couple of weeks using the same username, Time Travel Zero, on the Time Travel Institute's forums back in November of 2000. In January of 2001, he then posted on the Art Bell forums and posted there until late March of 2001. So let's dive into this timeline a little bit. In the IRC chat in October, he said that he'd been in our timeline for three months. And so, if this is to be believed, then he stuck around an additional five months posting on the internet. So, if John Titer, so this John Titer was living with his parents and a younger version of himself for eight months. So, if all of this is true, there is a 19 year old version of John Titer in Florida right now who may have memories of an older version of himself playing with him when he was younger. Kind of crazy to think about. Outside of these forum posts, John Titer seems to have prepared long-written pieces for the website Paranormal News Network, or these might have actually been the forum posts from his Time Travel Institute forum posts. I really couldn't quite tell. And I think one of the main main problems I had deciphering where these posts came from is that when I was doing research into John Titer, most of his posts hit on the same basic notes. Uh, it seemed like he always talked about a civil war, always talked about his time machine in very specific technical details, um, made some vague predictions about what happens in the future, things like that. So they all kind of started blending together, but you can read these really long posts from him on the Paranormal News, Paranormal News Network website. Um, he spoke about things like the family unit, uh, how, the, how families interact differently than they do today. He talked about the levels of small, global warming. Um, he touched on just about anything that people asked for, really. But the most interesting portion to me was the technical bit. 
because any half-decent fiction writer could probably come up with a convincing vision of the near future, but it takes a certain type of person to propose a time machine that is not totally outside the realm of possibility, and he even cited the most important elements for a functioning time machine. And this is going to be a little dry, but I'd like to read them to you because this will kind of show his dedication, I think, to proposing a relatively um, workable time machine. He says you need a singularity drive housing, a singularity magnetic field coil, magnetic field generator regulator, electron mass injection manifold, electron regulator, electron condenser, singularity sensor, singularity cooling housing, singularity cooling pump, singularity cooling supply, a gravity sensor unit, and a battery supply. So maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but I think most people out there would be pretty hard-pressed to come up with convincing pieces to a time machine or even just give a cop-out answer like, hey, you know, I don't know how this time machine works. I just operate it. He even had photos of the unit. Now, this was the year 2000, so computers, digital cameras, internet connections are not what they are today. So when you look at these pictures today, um, they look really low resolution, really overcompressed, really bitmapped. But you have to understand, in the year 2000, these were probably pretty convincing. And in a way, they still sort of are. The, the compression and the, the low quality really hides some things that I think may stick out in um, higher quality versions. The Time Machine unit is large, but portable. It takes up about the entire passenger seat um, of one picture. It has that typical yellow and black industrial striping that you see on many machines, like in factories, things like that, and a unit connected to one of these with one of those coiled extendable cords, and that little unit has a screen and several buttons. Um, he posted the, the unit seated in a couple of different vehicles. One was a truck, one looked like the back of a Corvette, and he explained that that, that was because each time jump, time jump, excuse me, he had to pick a vehicle that would fit in with the time he was traveling to. Um, but this discounts sort of his earlier explanation, and in fact, his whole online presence, doesn't it? Because if it was not important that he stay hidden, what did he care about a car that didn't quite fit in? He also presented technical drawings, like what you'd find in an instruction manual, uh, with pieces of the machine cut away and arrows pointing to different parts within this time machine. He supplied a, yo a logo from his time that looks sort of like several circles inlaid upon each other, and they would get more compressed horizontally towards the center of the circle. He uploaded a cover image, a cover image of the operating instruction uh, for the time travel unit, and strange diagrams that were taken from this manual. And these diagrams pointed to various singularities, negative time fields, X-ray venting zones, mass offsets, and event horizons. And he also supplied a photo of the machine on with a laser pointer pointing towards it. And this uh, laser pointer was illuminated by the smoke of a nearby cigar. And the, the laser pointer was curving. The light from it was curving. Critics point at this picture as being unconvincing because although the laser is affected by the gravitational singularity, nothing else in the picture seems to be. However, if this is the biggest problem that they can point out with that picture, I think that picture is pretty convincing, personally. The photos and diagrams are fascinating to me because they really show how dedicated John Titer was to his craft. And his craft could either be time travel or uh, internet trolling, I guess. He was really out to convince everybody of the legitimacy of his story. And whether you believe him or not, you have to wonder how many present-day internet trolls are this dedicated. His final post was on March 24th, 2001, and I would like to read it, if you don't mind. He says, I will be leaving this world line shortly, and this will be my final post. There are only a handful of people who know exactly when I will be leaving, and I'm sure, when I, and I'm sure they will let you know when I'm gone. 
In the last few days, I have found your choice of topics quite interesting, and from an objective viewpoint, I think it collectively answers one of your own questions. If time travel is real, where are the time travelers? In the past, I have stated that, quite frankly, you all scare the hell out of me, and I'm sure that other temporal drivers feel the same. But now I have an expanded explanation with two examples. A while ago, I related an experience I had with my parents while we were driving down a highway. Every now and then we would pass somebody who was in obvious distress with their vehicle. I was amazed that so many people could pass by without stopping to help, and their explanation was fear. The risk of someone was too great, and with today's technologies, they probably had a cell phone anyway. And if they didn't, the walk to a gas station would be good for them, and it would teach them a lesson for running out of gas. The other example is the plight of the homeless. When you pass them as individuals on the street, I see people selectively choose an alternate path to avoid them. These two examples best define why time travelers do not show themselves. In trying to help you, we put ourselves at great risk, and really there's no point to it. We know the nature of time dictates that traveling between exact world lines is impossible. Therefore, the only results we see will be the ones we stay to see. Since world lines, outcomes, and events are infinite, we have better things to do. When I arrive in the new 1998 world line on my way home, I could easily start all of this again and continue to go through the same conversations with all the same people. However, I already know you won't pay attention, or believe me, because we've already been through it on this world line. And besides, I think the walk to the gas station will do you all some good. My parting thought revolves around something JC has been harping on since day one. No, I do not have a secret agenda, but I have been paying a great deal of attention to your world line. My interaction with you is not a direct mission parameter. However, it was a secondary mission protocol based on standing orders to given to all temporal drivers. That secondary objective is basically to gather as much information about a world line based a world line based on a set of observable variables when we first arrive. Your world line met those conditions. What amazes me here is why no one wonders why Y2K didn't hit them at all. Bring a gas can with you when your car dies on the side of the road. And with that, John Titer vanished. He'd promised that his, that his family would post on his behalf and supply a video of his departure. However, those things never came to pass. And in the years that followed, basically all of his predictions were proven incorrect. A civil war did not begin in 2008. It did not end in 2015. Omaha is not the new national capital. The Olympics are still going on strong. And in fact, with any of his more general predictions, I really have a hard time coming up with any of them that were fulfilled. These differences could easily be hand-waved away with the different timelines theory, if you're eager to keep believing in this internet time traveler. A private investigator researched this more in depth in 2008. Perhaps he was looking for a 10-year-old version of John Titer in our world line. And unfortunately, his search come up, came up empty. But he did discover a company called the John Titer Foundation located in Florida, where an IP address also connected to the person posting as John Titer. Uh, the foundation published one book called John Titer, A Time Traveler's Tale, but that is now out of print. The CEO of the John Titer Foundation is a man named Larry Haber, and he is an entertainment lawyer in Florida. His brother is named John Rick Haber, and he's a computer scientist. So between the two of them, they probably have the intel intelligence and performance art required to produce a long-standing internet mystery like this one. Um, however, although this is a promising lead into the true identity of John Titer, isn't it a lot more fun to pretend that John Titer was a real time traveler who interacted with us for a handful of months, just as the internet was starting to change the way we communicate with each other? Now, I want to be clear. 
I don't think that John Titor is a real time traveler, obviously. I think the mystery and the interest here is the dedication he showed to his performance online with a balance of technical details and philosophical insights. I find it fascinating that someone could be so intelligent and choose to do this of his own accord. Not just the internet postings, but also the photos and the diagrams and instruction manuals and the other proof that he supplied. Uh, this is a great mystery of John Titor and the reason that his story has lasted so long and it's inspired books and video games. In the years since, people have popped up claiming to be John Titor, offering radio interviews. You can find those on YouTube, but none of them have really proven to be the original John Titor and I hope that none of them are. I hope that John Titor's legacy is in these five months worth of IRC and forum posts and I hope that we never learn his true identity. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out to me, do it via Twitter. My handle is at Tim Wasson, T-I-M-W-A-S-S-O-N. And next time, we'll be talking about a hoarder YouTube chef who is equal parts insane and brilliant. Geek Nerdery.